I'm going to start a series on surveying the life of Jesus, which will take us through, of course, the, the cross and the blood. And uh, uh, there's a prayer in my heart and I think that Paul had to, uh, when he was talking to the church at Ephesus, and he said that uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 and 17, he said that there might be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Spirit of wisdom, wisdom and revelation. In other words, that there would be an unfolding, something that, that was there, but had previously, you know, not been seen. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's revealed. A supernatural, uh, uh, you know, opening up of, you know, Scripture, and uh, uh, which points to and teaches us about, you know, Christ. Um, the... Uh, Revelation is really important. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and said, I have not seen and ear is not heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. So there is a vacuum between, you know, the natural and the supernatural, a vacuum. But he goes on to say and talks about that there has been a door opened up and that door is by the Spirit, but he has revealed it to us by the Spirit. And so um, that spirit of revelation might rest upon us that our eyes can see things that we haven't seen before, our ears can hear and our heart can understand things that we've never understood before. How many in your lifetime and your, your Christian life has, you know, there's been progressive revelation in your life? You didn't know it all. You didn't grasp it all, you know, when you first came to Jesus Christ. There were revelations, there were things that you, you know, you got then, but now there's so much more that you, you understand. And it is, revelation is about seeing. Revelation is about hearing those entrances by which revelation comes to us. Jesus, when he was here and ministered, you know, he stood one day at a mountain and looked at Jerusalem and he said, oh, if you only had known the peace that belongs to you. Oh. If they only could have seen what Jesus was really about. But things got in the way.
And as a result of them not seeing, their house had things that were missing. Their future did not become a future of peace, but a future of turmoil. It belongs to you, but you don't see it. And therefore, he said, your house is left to you desolate. Now, we can get into a lot of, you know, the theology of this, et cetera, you know what I mean? And, and there is a place for that. But if you can capture just the idea of being able to know what God, you know, wants, to, wants us to be able to see. What is the real purpose of Jesus Christ? What is it that we see, you know what I mean, that we need to grasp? And what is it that we don't yet see that we want to be illuminated to? Amen? Amen. He has revealed it to us by his spirit. And so the first segment of this is who is Jesus? And in this who is Jesus we want to kind of survey it. And to survey means to look carefully, to examine, to record the areas and features so as to construct a map, a plan, or a description to appraise its value. And I know that you're students, and so my angle is going to be a little different than maybe what you were accustomed to, but I hope it will make it more personalized. All right. Jesus, in surveying him, was kingdom focused. The kingdom was the theme of his teaching and his preaching. The kingdom was, it has come and it is coming. So there is that which is and which is evident, present, and seeable and understandable, and yet it is a constant development and discovery. Jesus, as we survey him, we discover two things about it. And that's not all we discover, but my points this morning is that hearing and obeying Jesus' teachings were fundamental to following Jesus. Amen. Fundamental. You see, according to Mark chapter 8, verse 34, the character of the kingdom is self-denial. He called the people to himself and his disciples also. Well, just not disciples, but his audience. 
And he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So, principle and character surveying the life of Jesus, according to Mark, is that there is a displacement and there is a replacement. There is a displacement of ourselves and there is a replacement of making Christ the center. Removing me from the center stage and putting Christ at the center stage. Those two fundamentals about hearing and obeying. Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 2. And he presents to us the connection between obedience of Christ and his lordship. Showing the, how many know, number one, that if we, can't, we don't hear, we can't obey. But once we hear, I mean, we can't obey. Everybody say, I can't obey. Yes, we can. So notice what, what in, in the life of Jesus, how obedience, you know what I mean, was pro, well, that which propelled him to lordship. Paul said this, he humbled himself and became obedient. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. When we look at Jesus, and then Jesus gives his disciples, of which we are this morning, an extensive and in-depth teaching on life in the kingdom in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, chapter 5, and through 7. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that he puts things in a, you know, a nugget about the kingdom. You remember it. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all shall be added unto you. Let me bring it down to you in four aspects. What he's saying there. He says you need to see its reality. Number two, you need to set it as priority. Number three, you need to submit to his authority. And you need to strive for his purity. So how are we going to do that? Well, number one, we're believers in Christ. Number two, he sends the Holy Spirit to operate and function and bring to pass the word, you know, becoming flesh in our lives. The word becomes flesh or lived out. It becomes, you know what I mean, you know, uh, 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 evident. Evident. 
so you remember when, I don't know, it's been quite a few years back with the WW. J.D. What would Jesus do? My question to us this morning is, and the question to me, and the question that I think that God wants to give additional revelation in is, who is Jesus? And who do you say Jesus is? Matthew 16, 13. Well, anyway, let me read it for you. But it says this, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am? Who do, I, who, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said... Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So the perspective in the revelation really is coming from the crowds. It is coming from merely history. They have seen and know that the miracles that Jesus has done and, you know, there is a connection between the history of men that had come before. Miracles that had happened. New messages like John the Baptist. Yeah. They had a crowd view and not a personal revelation. Now we've all started there. So that's not a negative. We all started there. When Peter steps up and answers the question of Jesus, you know, he has had some major, you know, transformations and understanding and correlations between you know the first encounter with Jesus and now the encounter of Jesus at this time so he said to them but who do you say I am who do you say I am and Simon Peter answered and said you're the Christ the son of the living God basically saying you're the Messiah. He has a revelation. He has an understanding as he puts together, you know, from the beginning. No doubt from Genesis when the Lord said that there would be a seed that would be born that would, you know, crush the head. Now, I don't, you know, can't get into his mind, but he is putting together so many pieces and you know it's just not a it's just not something that he's calculated with his mind but there is a work of the Holy Spirit in tying it together because Jesus said 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjono, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The divine insight that you got has come from the Father. Yes. It's come from the Father. What you believe about Jesus has a significant impact and bearing on how you live your life for him. It impacts your beliefs, your character, your eternal destiny, and your spiritual formation. Who do you believe that he is? What is your perception of Jesus? There was a perception of Jesus in the parable of the talents. And one of the perceptions of the, in, in that uh, parable is that the one guy thought, he's a tough dude, man. He's a hard taskmaster. And so he responded in life and with, what, and with life itself with that attitude. He didn't find freedom. He wasn't able to go ahead and invest his life with anticipation and expectation. Rather, he was just taking his life and just kind of, how can I put it, you know? What is that word if you just, he wasn't just protecting it. What did you put in a jar, you know what I mean? Wasn't canning it, but preserving it. <laughs> All right. Hey, give me a little time. It'll come. <laughs> preserving it. Just preserving his life. Because he had a perception about the master. And of course, you know, the story of the other two, of course, you know, recognize the potential. And so they went ahead and moved and in, invested. How you see Jesus is so important because it, it, it really influences and determines what you see from, receive from him. If you see him as Savior, you will no doubt get saved. If you see him as healer, you'll no doubt dip, in, uh, dip into the well of healing. If you see him as your peace, you'll no doubt experience, you know, a tranquility that is there in spite of the circumstances. Yes. How you see Jesus makes a big difference. Do you remember when he went to his hometown? And when he went to his hometown, the scripture says, because they just saw him as natural, he was limited in the supernatural. 
not this the son of, or the carpenter's son? That's who he is. Well, if you just see him as the carpenter, you're just going to get carpentry. But when he went to other towns, hell, they were able to get what they saw him to be. And of course, we know that the that the uh, revelation that Peter gives us just you know has been transferred, and we. You know, we're, we're so blessed to, to be on that side of it and have that understanding of it. But I really think that sometimes there's more. The nation of Israel only saw him as a man. And they crucified him. Because he claimed to be the son of God. Are you getting the picture? They said, we're not stoning you for the good works that you do. We're stoning you because you claim to be the son of God. Once you understand who Jesus is and what he has done, our lives just are never, never the same. I'll be honest with you this morning. I hope I'm always honest. (laughs) But I'll tell you, you know, some of my life, you know, I used to think Jesus was a little bit of a hard taskmaster. And it's a heavy weight to try to live up to the law. Amen. Love is such a great power. When you love something, it's liberating. It's empowering. You know what I mean? It's energizing. One of the enemy's aim in life is to do, is to use pain and pleasure to make us blind. Satan is the great preventer. He's the great perverter. And he's the great propagator. Think about it. He is willing to let us see even facts and proofs. But what he doesn't want us to see is preciousness. He 
doesn't want us to see the treasures of the gospel. The treasures of Jesus Christ. I thought about that. I want you to think about that. Many celebrate Easter, Christmas, certain, you know, holidays, but they never really have an encounter with Christ. They never really capture the preciousness of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying this morning? Yeah. God wants to reveal the preciousness as we survey the life of Jesus. I am the bread of life. The bread of life. A picture that he's trying to paint. And to see it more clearly, we have to go back, you know what I mean, to the setting. And the first time that he says that he's the bread of life and the setting of feeding the 5,000 He is speaking to a Jewish Jewish audience, all right? And so when the loaves and fishes are finally, you know, gathered, there are 12 baskets. And to the Jews, if they could see and if they could understand, you know, it would mean that he is their total provision for every tribe. One basket for every tribe. I am the bread of life that come, come down. They would understand that they would have that perception, but did they grasp it, you know? It's a picture of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. My. But then Mark brings us to another point. And Mark is speaking to the Romans. Or the Gentiles. And we have a very similar miracle, but we have different numbers. Now, I don't want you to get off or tripped up or chasing numbers too fast, but, you know, we're surveying the life of Jesus. How come 12 one time and 7 the next? They were hungrier and ate more? I don't know. I mean, they didn't know we're hungry because you know they had been at a seminar for three days and had eaten nothing. That's hunger, isn't it, for the Word of God, but also hunger for, for here. 
And so we, they pick up seven baskets. And I'm not saying this to show you how smart I am. I'm trying to get a revelation of, you know, that what's in Jesus. So it's not the Jews. Now it's the Gentiles. And number seven, of course, is the number of wholeness and perfection and completeness. And as that bread of life, he's, he is, you know, he's saying, you know, that he is the fullness of life. He is the total of all those that will actually believe in him. So how do we get revelation? Genuine relationship with the Lord. Genuine relationship. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my... Father, which is in heaven. Genuine relationship. That is how you get revelation, you know, even in the natural realm. How you understand people, how you connect with people, you know what I mean? How the door is opened up is by relationship. Hallelujah. So he's the bread of life. He's the living water that quenches our thirst, according to John 4. Yes. Who is... Jesus to you. Thomas. Finally, he has an audience with Jesus. And he confesses my Lord and my God. He hadn't had that before. Nope. Unless I see, I don't go and believe, man. I can't put it together. I can't add it up. But there was a connection of relationship. Go ahead. Place your hand 
and the scars of my life. Place your hand in the scars of my side. And he comes to this amazing revelation of my Lord and my God. God wants to you and I to have a personal revelation of who he is. My mom and dad told me who he was and you know what I mean? I believed what they told me. The church that I went to, you know, told me about Jesus and I believed what they told me. But then there began to be encounters in my life that were independent of what the crowd said and not that the crowd that I had received from was wrong. But it became a preciousness. It wasn't just the facts. It was the preciousness. That he would leave the splendor and the glory and the majesty, you know, in the honor of heaven. And lay it all down. Just to reach out and touch me. The preciousness. Who is Jesus? He's your Savior, but is He your Lord? Does He direct your life? And of course, there's a learning curve in that also. We are to know God. So many things about Him. Let me just wrap it up with just a few things that Jesus is. Understanding and that you don't believe that he is the son of God. I'm not going to cover that. If musicians want to come. What does Jesus offer us? What do you see? What did Peter see when he said thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
What do you see when you say, Jesus is Lord? What do you see when you say, God is love? What do you see when the word says, deny yourself? Do you see it as something being taken away or the opportunity for something to be added to you? You're moving from the self square to the Jesus square. I know that you have all done that, okay? Number one, Jesus offers a way out of darkness. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. As you know, with Jesus in your life, you know what I mean? You can know where you're going. You can see where you're going. You can be confident of illumination in your life. Now, I know that I haven't always understood the path that he had me on, but I had confidence, you know, in that just follow the light. Yes, because he said, I'm the way. He's referring to himself. When you got Jesus in your life, you are on the right track. Because <laughs> I am the way. I'm the truth. You are connected to the source of all truth. He says, I am the life. He says, I can, I free you from bondage and that includes death those are things that I know that you believe but what do you see who is Jesus Jesus is the one that satisfies and is the end of our inner thirst. We don't search anymore. He said, you'll never thirst again. Don't look for other wells. Keep going back to the well of Jesus. The world is... So many are searching for, you know, going to different wells. 
but there is a well that transforms your life like the Samaritan woman experienced. Jesus is direction in your life. You shall not walk in darkness. Jesus is the payment for our sin. Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom. Now when you hear the word lamb, because we don't have a culture that's geared in it, we don't always comprehend that. But he said, behold, the lamb of God. Jews are hearing this. And the scriptures begins to try to help us understand it. The Lamb of God. The picture of the Lamb. It was the most important animal in the Bible. Yes. understand the lamb is to grasp the wonder and the beauty of the cross of Jesus Christ please understand me this morning I know we believe in the lamb I know we believe in the cross but God help us to catch the preciousness He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears, and yet he opened not his mouth. Sometimes the road that God has for us and plans for us, you know what I mean? We just need to not open our mouth and just go ahead and walk it out. Just walk it out. Yeah. The lamb. The lamb. And on and on and on. We got to close. Just stand with me this morning. Jesus did not come to point out your sin. He came to cover it. The finger of blame was already pointing. The writings of Moses was already doing that. But Jesus came to cover our nakedness. Cover our nakedness. Our past is forgiven. There's a covering on us. 
Apostle Paul said that that God literally took him and set him up as an example of how far reaching the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ is. He was bad dude. And it reached him. It reached him. Yeah. Amazing. I want to bring this lax this last statement there covering our nakedness and put this in our hands and our laps we need to cover one another's nakedness what you know sometimes you need to cover it not expose it don't tell it remember the story of Noah he gets off into this great you know adventure and God having built this ark and saving the people from destruction and he's celebrating a little too much and you know and all of a sudden he's laying there in his nakedness one of his sons you know comes out and exposes it the other two sons they they grab a covering and they hold it and they back in and they don't want to see their father's nakedness and they cover him up you know until he comes back you know what I mean to some senses oh church when we grasp the preciousness of Jesus Christ and that he has covered ours, we will cover others. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Woo! Hallelujah. Now, if you find a brother in a fault, go to him. Don't go to the prayer chain. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. Shouldn't we be praying for him? Well, pray before you call. <laughs> That's right. Pray before you call. And make sure it's a call for prayer. And not to uncover somebody's nakedness. Give the Lord a praise. I don't know what we got here. Amen. Whoa, hallelujah. Amen. God is doing some marvelous things today. Amen. And the, who Jesus is going to make a world of difference, ch church. Hallelujah. Now listen. Our teachers have taught us right. 
not saying that but there is revelation and unfolding you know not some weird things but where it becomes a reality to us it is not just purely you know what the crowd has said but what the father has revealed to you as an individual and it becomes transforming enlightening and empowering in your life amen I think the Lord wants me to share this and that is we live in a society that has a lot of prejudices but there's a story in the Bible story of the Samaritan woman 700 years of prejudice was erased by one encounter and revelation of who Jesus was 700 years of prejudice Jesus melted We need Jesus. We don't need, I'm not saying we don't need, you know what I mean? But laws are not going to do it. Jesus is going to do it. Hallelujah. Jesus is the only one that, that breaks down the walls that separate us. Amen. In church, we have to lead the charge. We gotta lead. And we are, I pray. We just have to walk it out. Amen? Just walk it out. Father, today, I pray for the spirit of revelation. Let it, as Paul prayed for it, that wisdom and revelation would be granted and set upon us so that we can say who Jesus is. Amen, all the people. God bless, go with God, amen, because he's going with us all the way.